0: you're listening to the hey legal podcast cpd when you want with, with, where you want cpd for modern lawyers this free hey legal podcast is brought to you with the support of caseload from de Novo business intelligence this podcast is brought to you by workflow solutions specialists in records and document management scanning and digitization managed print cloud and it solutions Hi and welcome back to the Hay Legal podcast Today we hear from John Scott QC One of Scotland's leading legal figures We hear about his recent appointment As chair of the Independent Advisory Group Looking at the use by Police Scotland Of temporary emergency powers In the full CPD class John talks of the challenges that lie ahead for these powers As we face the prospect of lockdown loosening John also talks about the challenges Facing the criminal justice system In the months ahead Let's hear it John, thanks very much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it because I appreciate how busy you are currently. So that takes us nicely into, obviously, the new role that you have, which has obviously occurred since we moved into lockdown phase uh, and, um, in relation to reviewing the use of the emergency coronavirus powers that the police now have. So can you just tell us how did you get selected for that and generally what's what's been involved in that role? Of course. Uh, it was four weeks ago today, I got a phone call from the Chief Constable and uh, he said that given the extraordinary nature of the powers he was in discussions with the Scottish Police Authority, with David Wright and the, the acting chair there about having uh, extraordinary additional scrutiny for these extraordinary unheard of uh, emergency powers um, and I'd done some previous work in policing and reviews starting back in 2015 with the advisory group looking at stop and search. So I had the advantage of being hooked into a few uh, relevant networks and also, I think, through the way that that advisory group had worked, which was very collaborative, having good relationships with people in the, the academic world, in the voluntary sector, and also within policing. And it was important that, it, that it, we had good relationships with people in, poli- in policing as well for this. Uh, so I, I was happy to do that, was very interested in the, the role and knew that it would be important to put together a, a good group around me, which is what's happened. So we've got people from uh, the, some of the human rights bodies, uh, from the voluntary sector, I've got Amnesty International Scotland, uh, professor Susan McVee, who's a Professor of Quantitative Criminology and who I've worked with on earlier reviews, and, and she's fantastic at crunching data and turning it into something that uh, mm. someone like me can understand. So um, it, 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 we very quickly put the group together. Anna is, is on the group as well, uh, and we've got someone from the Glasgow Disability Alliance and someone from the Scottish Women's Autism Network on the basis that In particular, some people with hidden disabilities, there were concerns that they were going to be particularly impacted, for example, if they had to get out to the local park more often Mm -hmm. than once a day for their mental or physical health, that there needed to be a level of awareness of that on the part of the police. So it was really encouraging that the approach came from uh, the chief constable, that they wanted the additional scrutiny. I think that was a healthy sign. And the Scottish Police Authority, who's the main oversight body, obviously, as you know, uh, the, the the whole time uh, provided fantastic backup and support. So I've got a secretariat helping us. And we've been having two meetings a week, every Monday and Friday, which seems a, a lot, but that was on the basis that some things were changing quite quickly. We were looking at how we could best hear from the public. So there's going to be a public portal probably going live next week and people will right. be able to then log on and leave their experiences for us to consider. We're also using the networks we've got uh, to reach out to, to hear from people. And, you know, some people have even just emailed me or phoned me. There's one of our colleagues, a, a young solicitor who lives in the south side of Glasgow who had an experience in Queen's Park uh, over uh, in the south side. And yep. so it's phone just to let me know about it. And, you know, f- frankly, it's an area where the legislation was introduced so quickly without any lead-in time. No one had a chance to uh, to read it really long before it was introduced. So people are going to make mistakes. It's going to be hard for the public to understand what the law is and um, what the reasonable excuses for being out are. It's going to be hard for the police officers to, to deal with that because there's not been the opportunity for training. Basically, there's some, been some... Uh, written material issued and they've had to just get on with it. And then there's been a lot of confusion north and perhaps particularly south of the border. Police uh, forces and chief constables saying things that they then had to try and immediately roll back on. Like the chief constable, it says, we've not set up roadblocks yet. We've not started looking in your shopping trolleys yet. But if you keep going the way you're going, we'll do that. And uh, almost immediately, there, his comms team had to say, that's not really what we're, we're doing. And the Home Secretary slapped them down. And, you know, no doubt he had run out of patience because of the, the very, very small number of people that were um, ignoring the regulations. But it's not the way to do it. That There's been a real issue about not, a lack of a single, clear, authoritative message about what you can and what you can't do and what's in the regulations and what's the reasonable, reasonable excuses as opposed to what's in the guidance. And it's very difficult, I accept, for for police officers to to necessarily be able to negotiate the way through that. I mean, I've been following some of the debates on Twitter and you could put a group of lawyers together that over the course of a five-day seminar wouldn't necessarily be able to agree on what it all means. Um, So officers being expected to just do that themselves was a, a, a real challenge. And, you know, mistakes are going to be made uh, and hopefully that's all it is, and that's, that seems to be the experience so far. You know There have been some issues, you know perhaps about a lack of awareness over hidden disabilities and the like, um, and perhaps on the part of the public, not necessarily understanding. Not everyone sits down every day and watches the Scottish press conference and then the UK government's press conference uh, and reads the regulations. That's not how society works. And probably in particular, this is a situation where People that already have a number of disadvantages and vulnerabilities are even more acutely affected by what's happened. So I mentioned we've got the garden. You know, there's folks living in wee flats uh, with no gardens who need to be able to go to the local park in order to be able to get out at all. Uh, And, you know, there's people with uh, all, all sorts of really good reasons for going out and I think one of the advantages in Scotland of the lack of too many voices saying yeah. conflicting things has been the single voice without giving as much detail, perhaps, about what you can and can't do, but saying, look, we'll apply common sense. And common sense and reasonable excuse should be within t- touching distance of each other most of the yeah. time. So the risk if you if you do what, what's happened in some places in England and you say, this is all the things you can do, this is all the things you can't do, is that you miss something or you overstate or you understate something and you cause more confusion that way. And until the courts look at at it in the context of a particular case, you don't have a definitive statement about what can and can't be done. Um, And, you know, obviously we're moving into additional confusion potentially with all of the, the slightly more optimistic noises coming out of the Prime Minister and the UK government and the slightly more cautious tone that's adopted by the Scottish government but that, you can see yourself when you're out the effect that has, you see more people about you see yep. more cars about because people think oh well it's all finishing and you've got someone like Tim Martin saying I'm reopening my, my Weatherspoons <laughs> pubs in June and it's just you know it's a nonsense that someone is prepared to be so thoughtless and selfish when the messages that people hear are really important. If you hear the pubs are open, and then you start planning your night out and that's going to be really you know if we approach it responsibly if any government approaches it responsibly the pubs are going to be one of the last things that that open up so there's an issue because it's scottish government and you know the the scottish police and then the uk government and what they're saying and the english police and what they're saying and what and what people pick up on social media and so forth so It is a cluttered landscape and it's easy for people to get confused and to make genuine mistakes, but we're basically there to provide a kind of human rights oversight of the powers. Most people are are complying, absolutely no problem, without any issues. And some of the people that aren't complying, it's because they're not able to. And so one of the things that we're looking at is asking the public, what would make it easier for you to be able to comply with some of these restrictions? Uh, So as opposed to saying, you can't do this, it's about what what can what can be done to enable you to comply more easily, and for some people that's going to be a lot harder than for others. Thank you for listening to this Hay Legal podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. To hear the full CPD qualifying content, please visit haylegal.co.uk to subscribe and join our community. Or you could ask your law firm to contact us for a firm-wide subscription. Learn more, be more with Hay Legal.